Good morning to you, good morning world, as we come your way with our weekly visit here on Saturday morning to talk about what I've said very many times is the most basic important industry in the world, producing food to feed a growing world population. That's what we talk about, and that's what we... uh, well, do as much as we can to continue developing understanding of people who've never been on a farm, and that's no sin, believe me, but uh, just really a mission since I joined WGN in 1960 to talk about what it takes to put food on your table, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and now energy in the tank. As I mentioned uh, earlier, my conversation with Matt is spent this week at uh, Decatur, Illinois, Farm Progress Show. Talk about beautiful weather. They did have rain on the setup day Monday, but after that, pretty much dried up and uh, was sunny and windy. Yeah, very windy, but a great week for the uh, granddaddy of all of the outdoor farm shows. Started back in the 1950s here in Illinois and is going to this day well over six decades now for the Farm Progress show. And uh, for many, it's the opportunity to say hello and visit with friends that they see once a year. And I saw a lot of that happening at the Farm Progress Show. Had it happening with me. People coming up saying, well, I saw you last year in Boone, Iowa, and now we're back here in uh, Decatur, Illinois, and it's good to see you again. And uh, to the people who joined us in the entertainment tent every day at noon, Max Armstrong and I produced radio shows, produced uh, our television show, the weekly This Week in Agribusiness, and uh, had a great audience uh, all three days, although Wednesday was the big audience. That was the day that Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, came to the Farm Progress Show. But he also did other things while he was here in Illinois. He visited part of the waterway system and again learned, well, he already knew really how important that uh, central waterway system is, the Mississippi, the Ohio, the Missouri, and the rivers on down that empty into the Mississippi, all providing transportation facilities to get grain from the Midwest down to the ocean-going port of New Orleans, loading that grain into the ships and shipping our corn and soybeans from not only Illinois, but all of the Midwest states to consumers around the world. So he did spend time taking a look at that waterway system because much of it is badly in need of upgrading, renovation, because some of those locks and dams have been around for over half a century, and and they do take a lot of wear and tear during the session. So we'll talk about that and more here on the Saturday Morning Show. Jim Fazell will be with us, but he'll be in the second half of the show today to talk about trees and the problems that trees have had because of the weather this year. And uh, so if you have any problem with oaks or maples or, well, even Dutch, uh, even elm trees or emerald uh, uh, ash trees, as because they have been under attack from some nasty enemies. So Jim Pazell will be talking about that a little bit later. Also, last week, 
on Samuelson says, as I said, I used the most unusual headline I've used in all the years. A headline that said, cow milking, sexual abuse. And boy, did I get reaction to that one. I'm going to share one of the statements that came from a listener, from a dairy farmer, a little bit later in the show, and uh, I think you'll be interested in hearing that. Letter writer, or the email writer said, some things that animal rights activists should know, and I'll share that with you too. All of that coming up when we continue here on the Saturday Morning Show. It's 14 minutes after 5 o'clock here on the Saturday Morning Show. And in addition to uh, taking a look at the latest in technology and farm equipment for agriculture, uh, there were a couple of uh, special announcements concerning financial gifts to uh, help do various things in the agricultural community. And I do like to uh, call attention to that because we seldom do talk about what companies involved in agriculture, agribusiness companies, do to help the people who are their customers and use a lot of facilities to do what they do. The Archer Daniels Midland Company this week announced a $2.5 million gift to assist with funding construction of the Feed Technology Center. That's a key asset that will advance educational and research opportunities within the College of Agricultural, Consumer, and Environmental Science at the University of Illinois. And uh, Kim Kidwell, who is the dean of the College of ACES at the university, said, thanks to this investment from ADM, we will continue in our long tradition of leading innovative industry-relevant research while training the next generation of experts in feed science and animal nutrition. And we are truly grateful for their partnership at ADM, both in this moment and throughout the history of the college. College of ACES researchers at the U of I have shaped the feed crop and animal production industries for decades in partnership with diverse groups of stakeholders, and the new facility will significantly expand the reach and capacity of this work through the production of large and small batches of traditional and specialized research diets. ACES students also will gain valuable hands-on experience with cutting-edge feed technologies, creating a workforce pipeline for careers at ADM and similar companies. So thank you, ADM, for providing additional funding for that research that's going on at the University of Illinois. Truly appreciated. And then there is the agricultural uh, lender, the credit source, Compeer Financial. And Compeer Financial added a gift to the Illinois Agriculture Class 
in the classroom. That's something that we have certainly supported for a long time. But uh, this week, uh, representatives from Compere Financial provided a $15,000 contribution to Illinois Agriculture in the Classroom, funds that support the development and print cost of a Soil Ag Mag, an additional educational classroom resource for students. According to Karen Sheeler, Senior Corporate Giving Specialist at Compere Financial, the work of agriculture in the classroom plants a seed in minds of young students, helping them make a connection between food and farmers. And she said this connection and helping young people better understand agriculture creates a better future for our clients and the next generation of clients. And uh, it goes on to talk about this uh, investment. I, I don't like to call them contributions or donations to me. Anything that I give funding to is an investment, and I do expect a return. Certainly, the Ag in the Classroom program provides that return. And this isn't all that Compere Financial has done, because they also contributed funding for the renovation of the Illinois State Fairgrounds and have provided funding now for the program that will improve and renovate some of the uh, animal livestock buildings on the fairgrounds at the State Fair in Springfield. So uh, our thanks to Compere Financial for doing what they did and what they do. And then let me get back to the... uh, University of Illinois, because if you haven't made your reservations yet for the Salute to Food and Agriculture Day, they would like to hear from you. The University of Illinois invites the public to attend the 2019 Celebrate Food and Agriculture Day, Saturday, September 14, from 8 to 11 a.m., And it'll be interesting this year because the event will be held in a new location. It'll be held at the renovated Stock Pavilion. And Kim Kidwell, the Dean of the College of Aces, who was on stage with us this week in the U of I tent at the Farm Progress Show, said that during the event, the college will reveal custom terracotta animal head medallions that have returned to their stock pavilion home and renovated classrooms will also be open for tours so uh, you can come september 14th make your reservations get your tickets because they do serve a brunch and uh, you'll be able to cheer on the fighting illini football team who will be playing eastern michigan on that day so for tickets, for more information on Salute to Food and Agriculture Day, go, ace. Uh, well, let me give it to you because this sometimes gets complicated. Uh, you can get your passes, which includes the buffet, at go, G-O, dot, aces, A-C-E-S, dot, Illinois, dot, E-D-U, slash, capital C-F-A-AG. 
Football game tickets are available through the athletic ticket office at the University of Illinois. But we look forward to being there on that uh, salute to Agriculture and Food Day, and uh, we hope to see a lot of you there as well. One of the uh, events that my wife, Lori, and I enjoy at that uh, program is we get to meet for the first time the recipients of the Orion and Gloria Samuelson Scholarship Fund for the College of Aces at the University of Illinois. And this year, I think we're presenting eight scholarships to students at the College of Aces at the U of I. So we'll meet them for the first time, and we hope to see a lot of you to meet some of you for the first time as well. More to come here on the Saturday Morning Show. It's 22 minutes after 5 o'clock, and it looks like the good weather is continuing. It certainly was favorable this week for the Farm Progress Show. But uh, we'll share some more with you when we continue here on the Saturday Morning Show. It's 24 minutes after 5 o'clock here on the Saturday Morning Show, and we've got football and baseball coming up later today on WGN Radio. But a week ago on Samuelson Says, I quoted the story of a study that was uh, done at a university in New York State. And it uh, the study was headlined, uh, Milking Cows, Sexual Abuse. And boy, did I hear from a lot of people on that. Not just dairy farmers, but other people as well. And one of my listeners sent me a page that uh, he or she received on the Internet entitled Milking R. the Rucks Family, apparently the source for the words I'm about to share with you. And you may not like a little bit of what you hear here, but listen, if you would, please. Six things I wish all animal activists knew. That's the title. Number one, you're not an expert of any kind when it comes to animals or farming. Reading or watching something will never, ever on any planet be the same as living it. You're not an expert in your field unless that field is lying, deceiving, or preying on people's emotions for donations. An expert would know more about animal health, comfort, and behavior and understand why farmers choose certain practices. They would be educated on the extensive research to keep animal welfare a top priority for all farms. Number two, dairy is not dying. Dairy consumption is actually up and continues to rise. Just in case the people in the back didn't hear it, total dairy consumption is rising. Yes, fluid milk consumption has decreased, but dairy products like cheese and yogurt and ice cream, just to name a few, are rapid-growing, innovative segments of, you guessed it, milk. Number three, we don't like it when cows die. And not just because they are our livelihood. Believe it or not, we do have hearts. We wouldn't do this if we didn't passionately love animals. Last time I checked, we're all going to die. So please don't act like cows or any animal is immortal. A farm of any size having an animal die is not a sign 
of systemic abuse or neglect. It's a matter of reality. Any more questions? Take it up with God. Number four, yes, abuse happens, and it unfortunately happens everywhere. Nursing homes, schools, and law enforcement, and in relationships, just to name a few. And you know what? It is never, ever okay. I honestly applaud you or anyone anytime true abuse is stopped. But using broad strokes to paint an entire industry is not cool or even close to accurate. Using abuse for profit is not okay, and neither is putting on a big dog and pony show to try to boost donations to your cause. Number five, you want transparency? Well, so does everyone else. Everyone deserves to see the hundreds of hours of footage or pictures of all the wonderful moments that come from working with animals that don't make the final cut because they don't fit your agenda. How about instead of editing scenes to your liking, they get shown all the way through so more content is given, not just your narration full of half-truths. People see your motives when you continue not telling the whole story. And number six, we know you're not going away, and that's fine, because we're not going away either. You only concern us because we know your true motives and how impure your intentions are. We know the lengths you will go to make one off moment be your bankroll. We know the court of public opinion you will lie, embellish, and deceive because you do not fear the consequences of your actions and integrity is not a word in your vocabulary. We as farmers want you to know that we are here to stay and to take back the story you have stolen from us, and that's a promise. That's a page that one of several that I received in response to the headline, Cow Milking is Sexual Abuse. And the only source on this one was Milking R. the Rux Family. Thank you for sharing that opinion, and uh, we get a lot of them here, and uh, a lot of them we agree with, a lot of them we don't agree with, but certainly I think over the years, the four decades, five decades now that I've had to deal with animal rights activists, I certainly share a lot of the feelings expressed by that dairy farm family. We're at the 5.30 mark here on the Saturday morning show. That means it's news headlines time on 720 WGN Radio Chicago. And on the second half of the Saturday morning show, Jim Fazell will talk tree problems and what, if anything, you can do about that. We'll also share with you a couple of stories from Farm Progress Show this week and uh, a lot more here. Right now we begin with Samuelson Says. I'm Orion and this week the operative word in Samuelson Says is marvel. I continue to marvel at what American agriculture has done and is doing. The past couple of weeks, I've had the opportunity to fly the Cessna 210 over a lot of farmland in the United States. 
And let me tell you what I marvel at as I look at it from 3,500 or 4,500 feet. I marvel at the work done by land surveyors a couple of centuries ago, laying out these perfect squares of farmland that now make such a beautiful pattern from the air, the sections that are surrounded by roadways, but they're not as square as they used to be because some of them have been changed to accommodate waterways and roads, but it's still impressive that what those land surveyors did two centuries ago still work. I also marvel at how much fuel it must take to produce food and fiber and energy on those fields below me. Because when you take a look at the equipment that has to go over each field, planting and spraying, at one time cultivating and then harvesting, I can't imagine how much fuel it takes to run the equipment to do what has to be done to produce food. And then the other part that to me is a tremendous marvel is what these farmers and ranchers do with the equipment and the technology that they have to do what they have to do to make sure you and I have food and a roof over our heads and clothes on our back and now energy in the tank. To me, American agriculture is a marvel. And all of those ingredients provide support and financial salaries for hundreds and thousands of other work, of workers who produce what's needed by America's farmers and ranchers to be the most efficient in the world. To me, it's really a marvel, and I hope you take a moment or two, if you're farming or ranching, to think about this and the contribution that you make to our lives every day. Thank you. My thoughts on Samuelson Says. A presentation of Tribune Radio Networks here on the Saturday Morning Show at 22 minutes before 6 o'clock. Jim Fazell standing by to talk tree problems and maybe how to fix them when we continue here on the Saturday Morning Show. Well, good morning to Jim Fazell, and I don't know about you, Jim, but as I look back on this summer, I wonder where it was and where it went. Isn't it amazing? This being the last day of meteorological summer, it seems like it barely even started, and I don't know. It just I don't know whether it's just our age or whatever it is, but uh, everyone I talk to seems to feel like summer went so fast that it was that we missed it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, it could be age, but I'm hearing from too many young people who are saying, where did the summer go? Well, last week we talked about uh, a listener call from downstate wondering why leaves were falling off maple trees, and you said you would talk a lot about trees this week. Yes, you know, it, it's really interesting. Um, I drive around through the area a lot, as you know, and I walk a lot through town here. Jane and I go out every morning and do our walking, and I've noticed so many dead trees this year. It's really almost astounding that there are so many. I know a lot of it has to do with weather, and we've talked about that in the past, <clears throat> but there's some other things happening. 
another thing I've noticed how many ash trees there really were. You know, you don't notice these trees until they're gone. They're there and they provide the cover, but the ash trees really took up a, a lot of space in our in our landscapes and our streetscapes. Uh, a lot of those were planted when the elm trees died. They were big old trees, and they were they opted for those because they were easy to grow and they they were fast. Uh, so a lot of them were planted, but when emerald ash borer came in, the folly of that uh, became very apparent. Uh, incidentally, uh, I would not plant any ash trees, but those folks who have big ash trees that are trying to preserve them can do that now. Uh, in fact, we have a friend that has a huge ash tree that's really the focal point of his property, and every year he has it treated with tree age or merit, which is an injection that is um, done by a commercial licensed tree expert that will save that tree. Now, it needs to be done every year. Uh, also, there's some work being done on resistant ash trees, and I guess in the future we're going to see some of those, but I wouldn't wait. Uh, the elm trees that are becoming available now are the resistant ones that are becoming available are the result of about half of a century of work. Incidentally, Dutch elm disease is still around. Uh, we see a lot of it again this year, uh, volunteer trees, uh, roadside trees, and some big old elm trees that managed to survive because they were either treated or there was no longer enough uh, inoculum around that the beetles could carry it around that to affect them. Those are going this year, too. And, of course, there's a lot of age stress that's uh, incorporated in the loss of these elm trees, even if they don't get the disease. But of course, there are disease-resistant elm trees. Our good friend George Ware from Morton Arbor and bless his heart, he's gone now, but he spent most of his career seeking disease, uh, Dutch elm disease-resistant varieties, and he's come up with a lot of them. Uh, and there are some that are being planted very widely now, Accolade, uh, Homestead, Delaware, Triumph. In fact, Triumph has the form of the old American elms, but it has excellent disease resistance, and it is resistant to the leaf beetle, which is tearing up some of these new, new elm varieties that have small leaves on them. Oak trees are going as well. Probably not oak, oak welt. We hear about that all the time, but it's probably not a factor in our area. Uh, I haven't seen any in several years. There is another disease that's come in. It's a bacterial leaf scorch, uh, Xylella fastidiosa, fancy name. You don't need to remember the name. But anyway, it's killing the leaves on some of these trees, and eventually it will kill the trees, but it takes maybe a decade to do, decade to do that. Uh, a lot of the old oak trees that were planted many years ago, and some of them that have survived since the uh, Native Americans uh, planted them around the, the stream, stream uh, beds around here are dying. These are old age, they're even age forest, and urbanization has taken a toll on these things. Uh, many of them uh, begin to become chlorotic because the soils have become increasingly uh, alkaline, and when that happens, these old trees just simply can't con convert themselves over to that. The weather ten last 10 years has been very difficult on them. Uh, gypsy moth did some damage, but we don't hear much about that anymore. Our, our state has done an excellent job of keeping it under control. Now, maples, there are a lot of them that are in trouble. The Norway maples, sugar maples, silver maples. Uh, several reasons for that. One is verticillium wilt. It's a fungus disease. When the tree is weakened by anything else, this disease grows through the vascular tissue and eventually will cause the tree to just die. Uh, we see that a lot. Site difficulties are a problem as well. And again, where sites have been changed, these old trees can't, can't cope with that. Uh, also, deep planting. 
there was a lot of work done up, up in the sugar bush in Wisconsin, as a matter of fact, as to why certain trees up there or plantings up there died and some didn't, all of the same age. Uh, Dr. Gail Warp up there discovered that the ones that died were planted too deep. Uh, and we can take uh, uh, a hint from that. Be very careful when you're planting maple trees. Uh, scorch is another thing that scorch that's affecting the oak trees will affect maples as well. And then a lot of winter damage. Uh, people who planted red maples in good faith years ago find out that they do not tolerate our alkaline soils, and they're turning chlorotic now. Uh, they get less and less green in them, more and more yellow in the leaves, and eventually the leaves don't even develop. They turn brown and fall off. Evergreens aren't immune. Uh, spruce trees. Uh, we see a lot of spruces and pines and arborvitaes that were winter damaged, but they also have some site problems where uh, it's either too wet or it's hot and dry in the summertime and nobody bothers, bothers to water them because they're big old trees and who thinks you need to water them? Anyway, this has caused some problems. But there are several diseases that have come in. Uh, needle cast, uh, fulmopsis, which is a tip blight that kills the branches back, and cytospora canker, which uh, kills one branch at a time starting at the lower part of the tree and it kills it as it goes up. Now, these are particularly serious on spruces, but they affect pines as well. The important thing here is plant trees. It's planting time again. Hard to believe that summer's <laughs> over, but it is tree planting time again. Uh, we need to have continuous planting programs to avoid the even-aged forest. Even if you have three trees out in front, it's probably a better idea if they, if they expire to plant one, then another one, and another one so that they're maybe five years older or even ten years older before they're all planted. And there are a lot of desi desirable trees that can be put in. First of all, uh, one of the things people say, well, my maple trees died, should I plant maples? Yes. Old trees, as I mentioned, are unable to adapt. They can't stand the present situation. But if you plant a young tree, it'll adapt very nicely to the, thing that, the things that exist when you plant it. Uh, there are some very desirable maples. I would stay away from Norway maples because of some problems they have in the shade they create and they kill the grass. But the Fremonti hybrids, these are hybrid red maple, silver maples. A lot of them are available now that are excellent. Again, George Ward did a lot of work on these down at Morton Arboretum. Uh, if you like sugar maples, uh, Green Mountain hybrid sugar maple will will stand a lot of the situation that some of the others won't. Any of the oaks can be planted. Um, but there's some other things. Kentucky coffee tree, beech trees, uh, catalpa trees, uh, red-flowered chestnuts. Uh, one that I am beginning to like is the Turkish filbert. We never hear about that, but they're being planted in the area. They're gorgeous trees. They get to the size they need to be. They have excellent, nice foliage and very few disease problems. Don't plant the ash trees. We mentioned that before. And if you have seedlings come up of ash or maple or elm or mulberry, whatever, don't try to grow these things. Pull them out. They're weed trees. Uh, visit the Morton Arboretum when you get a chance. You can see the work that's being done down there, and you can see kinds of trees that are suitable for your yard. Also, if your town has a municipal tree cost-sharing program, participate in it. Plant the tree, and many of the communities will put one of the tree irrigators. This is a green plastic bag that's on the tree. Put the water in it, as they recommend. Put the 20 gallons of water in it every week or 10 days during dry weather and allow these trees to grow. Eventually, they'll be big enough that you won't have to water them, but to get them started, uh, you need to do that. And, of course, we know we're planting for future generations. Ori and you and I are never going to see these trees mature. But if our ancestors hadn't planted trees for us, we sure wouldn't have them today.
We sure wouldn't. We wouldn't be able to enjoy the shade and the color and everything else. Uh, anything that's going uh, from the standpoint of the growing season we've had that will impact the color change when we get to that time? Hard to tell, Orion. Uh, the trees are, uh, they grew vigorously. They're hardened off a little bit now, but with the recent rains, they're beginning to to uh, imbibe. Uh, some of the leaves are really wilted, and of course, when you have a wilted tree, you don't ever see fall color with that, but the trees are beginning to, to uh, uh, go back into some stage of photosynthesis. As long as we have uh, cool nights, warm, hot, or not hot, but warm, uh, sunny days, uh, plenty of chlorophyll in the trees, plenty of photosynthesis going on. We could expect we can have some pretty good fall color. But you never know. Uh, it, it's hard to tell what's going to happen between now and the middle of October when this should really begin to develop. We're not seeing very much fall color now, and sometimes we see that when we have uh, trees that are under real stress. So they apparently are doing okay for now. But we'll see. It's always okay. fun to look forward to it. All right. That's something we'll wait for and look forward to it. And uh, we'll also look forward to another visit from Jim Fazell next week. I will be here. Okay, Jim Fazell, our specialist in ornamental horticulture here on the Saturday Morning Show. Just a reminder on this Saturday morning that markets are closed Monday for observance of Labor Day, and that means our next trading will take place on Tuesday of next week. I know you're aware of that, but just a reminder. Had something happened to me, well, I've mentioned this before on on the morning show here on WGN Radio, but had something happened at the Farm Progress Show that in all the years I've attended never happened before. On Wednesday, when Max Armstrong and I were on stage with Secretary of Agriculture's Sonny Perdue, talking agriculture and agricultural trade. In the middle of the interview, his cell phone rang, and he pulled it out of his shirt pocket and looked at it and said, excuse me, I think I better answer this. And it was a call from President Trump, who called the Secretary of Agriculture at the Farm Progress Show just to uh, talk about agriculture and uh, never been interrupted before doing an interview with anybody by a call from the President of the United States. But uh, he talked about what he is doing and what he wants to do to benefit farmers, and uh, it uh, lasted about 10 minutes or so. It's interesting because a couple of times Secretary Purdue uh, sort of tried to butt in and bring the interview to an end, but uh, the president just keep kept on talking. Uh, interesting time for us, for both Max and me. We kind of looked at each other and said, whoa, president is talking to us here at the Farm Progress Show. But the president, the next day, did make a statement that I'm sure will be greeted with skepticism by a lot of farmers because of past performance on the ethanol situation that uh, requires a certain amount of biofuel to be blended with gasoline, but it also has a program that uh, small refiners can adopt if they feel threatened financially by having to spend the money to put ethanol or biofuel into gasoline. And so the president Thursday said his administration is planning 
quote, a giant package related to ethanol that would please U.S. farmers who are angry that many more oil refiners have been freed from obligations to use the corn-based fuel. Quoting the president, the farmers are going to be so happy when they see what we are doing for ethanol, not even including E15 year-round, which is already done. It will be a giant package. Get ready. At the same time, I was able to save the small refineries from certain closing, so great for all. President did not offer details on what the, quote, giant package would be and would entail. And, of course, the E15 mentioned by the president is a higher ethanol blend of gasoline. So we'll wait to see on what that giant package will be. Uh, Secretary Purdue did order an investigation into beef pricing margins after a recent fire at a Tyson Foods plant in Kansas pushed margins to record highs. The indefinite shutdown of that plant tanked cattle prices as farmers worried they would not be able to sell their livestock in a timely manner. At the same time, beef prices climbed as buyers for restaurants, food service companies, and grocery chains went scrambling for meat. So that investigation will be getting underway. China-U.S. trade talks. Yes, can't do an agricultural show without mentioning China. And the statements this week, Chinese and U.S. trade negotiating teams are maintaining effective communications. That from China's foreign ministry. And it came less than 48 hours before U.S. tariffs kick in on an additional $125 billion in Chinese goods. That's due to happen at midnight on Sunday. Markets closed on Monday, but let's take a quick look at where prices will be when they resume on Tuesday. Yesterday, the December wheat price, 11 and a half cents lower. They'll start at $4.62 and a half cents a bushel on Tuesday. December corn down two and a quarter cents for the day yesterday. That uh, market will start at 369 and three quarters a bushel. And soybeans, the November contract unchanged. So it'll start Tuesday at 869 at the Board of Trade. Livestock futures, the December lean hog contract dropped over $2. It'll start Tuesday at 6337 a hundredweight. The October cattle contract will uh, start at $130.80. Uh, that's the feeder cattle contract. And that's where we'll get under, underway price-wise on Tuesday. Well, that's our time here on the Saturday Morning Show. As always, our thanks to Bob Ferguson for doing the engineering work. Thanks to you for listening. And we'll see you again a week from now on the Saturday Morning Show.